welcome to Goshen Baptist Church. If you're here in person or if you're watching online or listening on FM 100.1, we welcome you today. And um, it's been a couple of weeks that I've been away, so we'll see if I know how to do this still. So it's, uh, But it is good to be back, and it's good to see some faces that have been away for a while, and to also have some visitors with us today. So welcome to every one of you. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that we can be gathered to worship you. And we pray that your spirit would be poured out in this place as we do so, that you would draw our hearts closer to you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's been a couple weeks since Carl was here. He said, I don't know if I can do this. I can't be any worse than I was last week. So. <laughs> Call to worship this morning is the responsive reading of Psalm 23. You'll read the part of hell. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake.
to come to our time of announcements together, I want to start by saying thank you for the time off that we had. We had a fantastic week at Camp Oneida. Beth and I had the privilege of directing. We had 35 kids, I think it was, and a fantastic team of leaders. And so that was a great week that we had, and then I had a week of vacation as well. Poor Beth had to go back to work. Um, I know that's not fair, but it's just what it is. So she puts in more work to the whole Camp Oneida piece, and then I'm the one who gets the break. But anyways, still grateful for it. Over that time, uh, we had three weddings that we did, and so um, privileged and uh, delighted to have Tammy and Rick here today that I had the honor of officiating at their wedding. And then we attended uh, some uh, friends of ours from camp, so... Um, Hannah had her friend Hannah, and they called themselves Hannah Square, and so, uh, yes, Hannah and Turner's wedding we got to attend, that was nice, and then yesterday, um, I was given the privilege of officiating at a wedding for um, Will's best man, and uh, his name is Alec, and his now wife, Caro, and she's from Mexico, and so they had family from England, and from Mexico, and all over the place, the States too, even Canada. Uh, and so the great thing was, it was one concession south of us, nice and close to home, and it was a beautiful day, a lot of fun, and I know some would argue that it's not very Baptist, but Beth and I did a lot of dancing, too much dancing, so if we seem to be moving slow today, uh, we are not as young as we thought we might have been. Coming up this week for birthdays and anniversaries, uh, Debbie Dean has her birthday tomorrow on August 1st, and then Shirley Dean on the 2nd, who's turning 92, and apparently there's somebody else special that was born today, and he's a, a really key figure in our culture, and Fred was good enough to let me know that according to the historical records, <clears throat> so to speak, George Jetson, this is his birthday today. <laughs> So there you go. Coming up at the end of the month, we will have Matt Rager coming to speak. And so that will be a, a great time as well. Beth and I are heading up to see my buddy Bob for his uh, delayed 50th birthday party and for visiting with them and also with our godkids. And so we're looking forward to that as well. And today, after church, we're going to have a special farewell service, a farewell gathering time for Lyle and Elsie. And a time to just uh, honor them and thank them for their time with us and everything they've done for us. Um, if you're visiting or you haven't, uh, or haven't any idea who Lyle and Elsie are, um, they are good friends of ours that have been at this church for a long time now. And as you can see in some of the pictures here, uh, this one here was called One of a Kind. And that was something that uh, Elsie and, um, and friends put together. And so it was for ladies that were single. And also we can see Lyle and Elsie here visiting with Joyce and Sandra at the table. Uh, Lyle is hanging out with uh, our friend Bill that has since passed on. And then also there's some of the crew that was for the one-of-a-kind group too. So we're looking forward to this opportunity to um, say goodbye, say our farewells, and they are moving to Guelph to be closer to some of their family, and uh, their son Mark is with them today too, so welcome Mark, good to have you here. Are there any other announcements that need to be brought to our attention today? Larry. Uh, about three weeks ago I went to Steve Pouch's celebration of life, 
Thanks for bringing that in, Larry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so, um, Larry's cousin, Steve Kauk, he battled cancer for five years and then recently passed away. We've been praying for him uh, for during that five years. And so, as Larry mentioned, there is a, a there is a card at the back of his picture. So, if you'd like to see him and just put a face to that name that we've been praying for for so long. Um, thank you. Thank you, Larry. And it has been our honor to, to pray for your family and, and carry them that way. And of course, we are still in a strange place of not passing plates, not doing offering the way that we normally would. And so it's still a key piece of our worship, though. It's part of how we honor God with what he has blessed us with. And so for our tithes and offerings, we have plates at the back where you can give or you can give online through our church website as well. And so uh, we are grateful for everything that is given to help us as we carry forth the ministry and the mission of God. So let's take a moment and thank God for the tithes and the offerings. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have blessed us. We thank you for the many ways that you have blessed us. And, and Father, we thank you that we can give back to you. And not only do we have the opportunity, but you have called us to give so that your word may go forth, so that people may come to know the life-transforming truth of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray that you'd help us to be good stewards of all that you've given to us. And specifically, Father, we lift up the tithes and the offerings, and we pray that you would bless them. And, Father, that uh, you would help us to be wise in the use of them. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you in this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our next piece that we're going to sing together is Bless the Lord, O My Soul. This is a chorus that may be slightly different to than we're used to. So uh, maybe uh, if you would play it through once. That would be great. Thank you. Please stand. Some extra pain. She has pain all the time. 
I'm just plugging your ears because you don't want to hear us talk about you. <laughs> she has FM, fibromyalgia, which is a, a challenge um, and means that you have constant pain that you're wrestling with, but um, also her knees have been really very problematic. And so, um, so if she could just use some extra fur, it's been difficult to sleep. And um, we are very grateful to have you with us as well and playing for us today. Uh, Alma Anderson, um, she went into hospital a little while ago and um, I was chatting with Lloyd this past week and she won't be coming back home. Her dementia has been uh, quite advanced and uh, she is not eating much either. And so um, let's continue to lift up Alma, a friend of ours, and her husband Lloyd as well who also doesn't have much appetite these days. So I know that's got to be difficult. Lloyd has not been in to see her, had not been in to see her as of when I talked to him, he was thinking maybe that he would go Saturday yesterday, but I don't know if that happened or not. Their daughter, Jane, has been in to see her every day, though, so she does have that company. Um, we've been praying for Wilson Doreen, and so it's great to have you and Joan with us today, and uh, so nice to see you. Is there anybody else that we've been praying for that uh, we would uh, have any updates for, or is there anybody else that we need to be praying for today? That's one. And also, do you have any praise items today? Maybe the other. Sandra. Despite what uh, Scott said, he did a very good job last week, and I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good praise item. Yeah, and I heard that both weeks went well, so that's good. I'm very grateful for that, too. Awesome. Yes, Elsie. I'm very thankful for our children who are there. Uh, every step away for what we're going through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Elsie said she's very grateful for their, their children who have supported them through every step of the way through this uh, major transition in your lives. Yeah. And so uh, I, I appreciate, too, just how wonderful they've been and uh, the stories that I've heard. And that's pretty amazing. Uh, that's pretty great. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we are grateful for the many good things you give to us. You uh, have given us this loving church family to be part of. Uh, Father, we pray that you would just help us to continue to reach out to the world around us, to our neighbors and friends with the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I am grateful for visitors and family and, and others that have come to join us. And, and Father, I pray that it's a time of blessing for them. I too am grateful for Scott and for Evelyn and for Carrie and for uh, Joyce that so faithfully are part of our, our worship experience each week, um, people that greet and people that help to lead, people that provide music. Uh, Father, what a huge blessing to us. Father, we thank you as well for uh, Elsie's support that she and Lyle have had with their kids and, and what great support they've been and what blessing that is in their life. Father, we, we lift them up as they come into this time of transition. Father, that as they are having this move that's happening Monday, that you would care for them and carry them. And that you would surround them with people who love you in this new place, with new friends. And Father, we pray for safety for uh, Marcus. He has uh, flown in, and when he 
turns around and has to go back home again. Father, we continue to lift up as well others in our circle of family and friends. I lift up my mother-in-law, Evelyn, Father, and pray that you would uh, ease the pain that she has been going through and that you would get her the care and relief that she needs so that she can sleep and so that she can get around. Father, we continue to also lift up Alma and Lloyd Anderson and pray that you would meet them in their point of need. Father, we thank you that Alma is getting good care. Pray that you continue to watch over her and be with Lloyd while they are separated as I'm sure that's difficult for both of them. Father, we also continue to pray for Lyle just uh, with his getting around and, and pray, Father, that you would watch over him. And we pray that this new home that they're moving into would be a, a place that has got some more support that they have available and that that would be a good thing. Father, we are grateful that Wilson and Joan are here today, and we continue to pray for Wilson for his strength and for healing. Father, we continue to lift up June Chambers and her constant battle with pain that she goes through. And for our friends that are battling cancer, Kim McKibben and Albert Hardiman, Louise Groom, we pray for healing. And Father, we also pray for healing for Kevin Kauf and for Dave Callahan. Father, for those prayers that we did not utter but we hold close in our hearts, we also lay those at your feet. Today, Father, we also continue to lift up our sister churches and ask that you would bless them and that they would lift your name on high. Bless us in this time, Father, as well, and speak to us through your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our next hymn that we're going to sing together is How Firm a Foundation. It's number 408 in your hymnals. So please stand as we sing together.
scripture reading this morning is Matthew 9, verses 117. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralyzed man, lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such, a, such authority to man. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Thank you so much, Scott. I know I said it was going to be shorter passages once we got out of Revelation, but I guess I was wrong. <laughs> um, so today we're starting a new series called Call Out. And maybe you're wondering, what's it all about? How are people called out in the Bible? Well, did you know that there's a mention of baseball in the Bible? Right at the very beginning. See, it says, Genesis 1-1, in the big inning, God created the earth. Okay, so maybe that's not really how somebody is called out as an umpire. But we can look at Abraham's life. And in Abraham's life, we see different ways in which God has used this expression of being called out. Um, or how we can look at it. So, first of all, we can think of being called out in the terms of intervention. So in Genesis 22, 11, this is the moment when Abraham, excuse me, yeah, he's Abraham, he's got the knife, and he's holding over Isaac, his son, and he's about to sacrifice him as God has told him to. And God called out, right? It says, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Intervention, that's one way of calling out. When we want to get somebody's attention, that's kind of intervention, isn't it? You know, somebody who's walking towards the edge of a cliff, and you say, hey, turn around! 
or watch out. Intervention, that's one way of being called out. The second kind of called out is implication. You know, where it's implied that you are doing something different. So in Abraham's story, if you look at Genesis 18:15, at the point where Sarah, who is really, really well advanced in years, has been told that she's going to have a son who's been bearing her entire life, she laughs. And she must have done it a little bit on the side, you know, not one of those great big belly laughs. But look what it says. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. <laughs> but she was called out, wasn't she? But he said, yes, you did laugh. It's that kind of pointing your finger of saying, hey, you, you did that. The third way of called out that we see in the Bible is that of invitation. In Abraham's story, God said to him, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you. Called out, invited into a different space, into something new. The fourth kind of called out that we're going to look at is that of relocation. And that is in Abraham's life when God said in Genesis 12:1, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. It's leaving everything behind. And going into a new space. Speaking of called out, I spent a little bit of time on Facebook. Some of you also may spend some time on Facebook. And I have this really strange thing that I do. Um, I have to confess, it is strange. It started off with I was cleaning out the back of the fridge and I found something that didn't look quite normal, let's say. Has that ever happened to you? That you, you know, you reach the back and you're like, what on earth is that? So I made a big deal about this. I took a picture of it, I put it online, and I pretended like this is Facebook's favorite game. I call it that every time we do a round of it. And even though I have no credibility for that, I just made that up. Um, I'd say it's Facebook's favorite game, and we play What on Earth is That? Now I know today that once you've heard that, you now want to play, don't you? Well, if you have been online recently on Facebook, perhaps you've seen this one. So this is one of our examples of what on earth is that. Has anyone seen this on Facebook recently? Okay, you don't get to play this round. Everybody else can take a guess. What is it? Moldy corn. Moldy corn, we have a guess. What do you think it is? Shout it out. Call it out. Any guesses are okay. Goofy guesses are fine. Um, actually, this one was submitted to me by somebody else. Um, one of my friends said it looked like alien brain. Maybe. I've never seen one. It's a pickle. It's a close-up of a pickle. Alright. I need a little bit more crowd interaction on this stuff. Come on, guys. Come on. Alright. Yeah. This is one of our own. We found these. Dried up blackberries. Blackberries. Okay, dried up blackberries we have as a one vote. Okay, anybody with Scott on that? Let's just commit. Anybody? We got a couple? Okay. Few? Any other guesses? Raspberry. 
Raspberries. Well, if your raspberries ever look like that, you're in big trouble, aren't you? Yeah. Black walnuts, maybe. Okay, sure. Any other votes on black walnuts or black raspberries? No? Blueberries. Can you believe those were actually blueberries? That's pretty scary. All right, we've got two more. Um, this one. Orange peel. Drying out orange peel. Not bad. One of those little oranges. Or maybe that's a lemon. I'm not sure. It's citrus. Close enough. Well done. Our last one we have is here. Alien brains. Alien brains is back. <laughs> not everything comes. This is a submission. Not everything comes out of my fridge. <laughs> yeah, it is. I thought right over here, there's a little bit of sheen on it. It looks almost like an oil slick on asphalt. But really, it's my friend Kimmy's tongue oh. after eating a black frosty. <laughs> Blackberry. When we look at the Gospels, and Matthew in particular, you're welcome. I do really love that one. Um, we don't see them playing what on earth is that at all. But we do have some other questions that they ask, that are kind of like those sort of questions that they ask of Jesus. They ask questions like, who on earth does he think he is? And why on earth does he do that? And what on earth does he mean? Maybe when we read the Bible, these same questions come to mind. Well, look at, let's look at these stories that Scott read for us today. The first one is the paralyzed man and his friends. I have some notes to help me out today, so hopefully I can make sure that I'm following along well. So this first account is, is about this guy, paralyzed from birth. And he has four faithful friends, and they do something kind of amazing. This encounter is also recorded for us in Mark 2 and Luke 5. And that gives us a little bit more detail in those accounts, because that's where we hear that the place was Capernaum, the hometown. So we have this place listed, and the place was jam-packed full of people. So full. Uh, Luke 5, 17 tells us that the crowd had come from every village of Galilee, and from Judea and Jerusalem. They heard about Jesus' teaching. They heard about the miracles. They came to be healed. They came to witness Jesus Christ. Pharisees and teachers of the law were also there on that day. They were the religious leaders of that day, and they're the ones who should have recognized Jesus as the Messiah. But they were highly skeptical of him instead. Now perhaps like many people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had different reasons for being there. Maybe some of them wanted to see these miracles firsthand and see if they were real or if they're made up. Perhaps they wanted to lay a trap for Jesus and catch him on something and say, Aha! We knew he couldn't be the Messiah. And some were waiting to have him called out on something that was not right. Mark and Luke also provide a detail for us that the friends, when they saw how full this place was, no chance of getting their friend inside to see Jesus, they do something incredible. They take him up where? On the roof. Right, they go up on the roof. 
And they have this dramatic scene of carving through the roof, tearing it apart to get their friend lowered right down in front of Jesus. It must have been incredible to be there. So imagine the scene, if you will. The four friends are carrying this other friend on a stretcher with hopes of having him healed, and they see the place is jam-packed. So they take him up onto the roof. Imagine the conversation about what to do next. Well, we could tear a hole in the roof and lower him down. Are you nuts? The owner's going to flip out. What if some of the bits fall on Jesus' head? That's a terrible idea. But they have no other solution, so they get to work. Now, I don't know a lot about roof structures in ancient Capernaum other than the roofs were flat, which is really good if you're carrying a friend up on a roof on a stretcher who can't walk. Because can you imagine if he was on a pitched roof? You know, you put your friend aside for a minute, and then you start thinking, and you hear this rolling, a scream, and a thud. <laughs> That's not so good. Then you got to bring him to Jesus and say, well, originally he was just lame, but now he's got a broken arm too. Sorry, can you fix that at the same time? Fortunately, that didn't happen. Here's how I envision the scene. Jesus is preaching and teaching and healing and maybe there was a lot of noise. Maybe there was a lot of commotion. People are excited. They see somebody get healed. I'd be excited. Wouldn't you be excited? It would be amazing. And as this is all going on, maybe nobody can hear the sound of the roof being torn up. But suddenly bits start to fall down in front of Jesus. People are shocked and surprised. And what's going on? And yet Jesus just smiles, takes a step back. He knows what's going on. And then... The hole is open, and this man is lowered before him. Then Jesus does something amazing, something surprising. He doesn't say what we would expect him to say. Instead, he says, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, I heal you or anything like that. He says, your sins are forgiven. The Gospels don't record the reaction of, that crowd, of the crowd in that moment. But I imagine it was something. The religious teachers, however, they begin to think about amongst themselves that this fellow is blaspheming. Who does he think he is? Who on earth does he think he is? Nobody but God can forgive sins. You see, they didn't recognize all of the signs that point to the fact that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the Son of God. And so Jesus says something else interesting. He says, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Well, why is it evil to blame him for blaspheming? And maybe it's not that specifically, but you see, the punishment for blaspheming is that of stoning. See, Jesus called out the Pharisees because he knew in their hearts that what they wanted to do right from the earliest time was to stone him, to kill him, to get rid of him because they thought he was a blasphemer. Jesus then calls them out. He says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Which is easier to perform? Which is easier which would you rather hear? 
You see, the problem, I believe, in this man's case was personal sin. That's why he was lame. For some reason, somehow, it was sin was at the heart of it. So Jesus could have said, get up and walk. And in doing so, he would have had to forgive the man's sins. But instead, he went right to the root of the problem. You see, when Jesus spoke, he addressed the heart of the problem. But he also addressed the heart of those leaders. My question to you today, here, now, do you believe that Jesus has the power to forgive your sins? To forgive sins in general? But let's take it deeper and say, do you believe that Jesus can forgive your sins? And I hope so. Some of you are here because you believe that. Some of you may wrestle with that. I want to take it one step deeper and ask you the question, do you believe that Jesus can forgive all of your sins? Because sometimes that's the problem that we wrestle with, is that we believe that Jesus can forgive sins out there of other people. Or maybe Jesus can forgive, you know, my, my lesser sins. You know, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. So he'll forgive that. But that other thing that I did? No way. I can't forgive that. How could Jesus and yet the Gospels tell us that Jesus Christ can forgive all of our sins. My next question might even go a little bit deeper. It's good to believe that. It's good to know that Jesus can forgive all of your sins. But do you live like Jesus has forgiven all your sins? Sometimes we carry it around like refuse on our shoulder. Oh yeah, Jesus forgave my sin, but Satan likes to just remind us of our past and the things that we've done. When we have been forgiven our sins, it is wiped away. And we are new. We are like that man who was healed on that day, who walked out of that room. Do you live like Jesus has forgiven all your sins? I want to briefly look at the next two stories as well because they have something to offer. Matthew and his friends. So we have the paralyzed man and his friends. And we go to Matthew and his friends. Well, Jesus uh, knew Matthew probably as his tax collector in the area. And he goes by and he says to Matthew, follow me. He calls him out. Follow me. And we may not get the full understanding of what happened there, but Matthew got up, left everything, and followed him. He left everything. And Jesus called him out. Matthew would have been wealthy. He was a tax collector, and in that time, the tax collectors could take what they needed from Rome, and they give it to Rome, but they were allowed to take anything else that they could get. Matthew is so transformed by Jesus saying, come, follow me, by being called out that he throws a party for his friends, other tax collectors and sinners. You know, I don't know that tax collectors are all that more popular today than they ever were. <laughs> and so maybe tax collectors just hang out with other tax collectors because, hey, misery loves company or nobody else will hang out with us. 
It doesn't say what these kind of sinners were, but they were outcasts, and those were the people that Matthew hung out with. And he invites Jesus, and he invites his friends, so that they can meet. And the Pharisees, those religious leaders, they ask the question, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They're considered outcasts. So in other words, why on earth does he do that? And Jesus responded with something incredible. Something that's a little bit sly even. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. They thought they were calling him out, but Jesus was actually calling them out. You see, he addressed the heart of the problem once again, and he addressed the heart of the leaders. See, the leaders didn't think that they needed Jesus. They thought they were healthy. They thought they were righteous. And what Jesus was subtly asking, subtly saying to them, he said, at least these people know they need me. My question for you this morning, are you so healthy, like those religious leaders, that you don't need Jesus? Are you so righteous in your own mind, in your own self-evaluation that you don't need Jesus? And Jesus' question for those people in that day is the same question for us today. Is the kingdom only for those that we consider healthy and righteous? Or are we willing to call whomever and everybody? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. Come to the banquet. Come to the feast. Come and meet Jesus. Third story is John's disciples. And we can call them friends. Why not? We've had friends all the way along. And they come to Jesus' disciples and they say, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And they're trying to call out Jesus and his disciples again. And Jesus answers with something kind of weird. He talks about wineskins. He talks about clothes. You know, if you put a new patch on, or an old patch, a new patch on old clothes, it's going to pull away. If you put new wine in new wineskins, it's going to burst the wineskins. Just like that sound. And then there'll be wine everywhere. Their question was, what on earth does he mean? I get the fact of what will happen with clothes. I get the fact of what will happen with wine. What on earth does he really mean? And once again, Jesus addressed the heart of the problem. And he addressed the heart of the followers. Because so often it's easy for us to be wrapped up in the old ways of doing things. In the habits, in our ruts. But Jesus brings something new to all of us. He brought something new to the man who was lame. He could walk, transform his life. He brought something new to Matthew and his friends. The outcasts were suddenly part of the family of God. He brought something new by bringing them in. 
wineskins, new wine. Now we're Baptists and we don't drink. Some of you have heard this one, and it bears repeating. I've got a couple minutes, so you're getting it. How many Baptists do you take fishing with you? Scott knows the answer. Shh, I don't know. I've told that joke already. You always take two Baptists when you go fishing. So if you take one Baptist, he'll drink all your beer. But if you take two Baptists, they won't admit that they drink in front of each other. <laughs> I know, some of you are like horrified. <laughs> My little bit of apologies in this moment. In Jesus' day, water was not always available to drink nor save. And so wine was what they drank. It was a source of celebration as well. Jesus wants to bring something new. Are we here willing to let Jesus bring something new to us? Right here at Goshen. In our world, in our families, in our community. Because I think he wants to. And that may mean that he calls us out into an unfamiliar place. Will you follow Jesus into something new? Let's pray. Our Lord and Savior, we confess that sometimes we hang on to baggage that we really shouldn't. Sometimes we recognize that there are others who can have their sins forgiven, but we still feel like there's things that you can't forgive. And if there's anyone that's listening or here today that feels that way, Father, I pray that they would release them to you and you would give them the freedom that comes from you. The freedom to walk in new light. Father, I pray that if there is anyone in our circles of family and friends or in our community or people that we see that we have thought, no, I'm not going to reach out to them because they are not like me. They may not feel like church people. Help us put all that aside for you did. As you reached out to tax collectors and sinners and lepers. Help us not to get full of ourselves. Help us to remember that you bring new things. And if you call us into new places, you have also promised like you did to Abraham that you would go before him you will go before us. You will go with us. You will follow after us. So let us not live in fear. But let us go where you call. Let us find the new things. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn together today, number 592, Jesus Calls Us. Please stand.
Jesus calls us into new places. Will you go where he leads? Will you allow him to pull you out of your ruts and find him in glorious places, in unexpected places, and in beautiful relationships? So go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.